Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited for today's episode with Vanessa and Xander. I love having couples on, especially couples who are not afraid to talk about subjects like sex. So I think that you're really going to enjoy it. And before we get into that, we're going to talk about two topics that have just been top of mind. Maybe we'll talk about three because I had asked you, you know, what do you want to hear about? And this came up a lot. Also, two quick announcements. One, the sound in this episode is Mercury was retrograde when we recorded it. And it's just like not that great as it usually is. So that's my fault, not my producer's. And it's obviously the planet's fault, of course. And my other announcement is that the tour is around the corner. I'm going to be in New York City, in DC, in Boston, and Nashville at the end of July. So go to wemetatacme.com slash events to get your tickets. And follow us on YouTube because we're now posting pretty much all the content that we're posting on the podcast, but the video version so go to We Met at Acme on YouTube and smash that subscribe button. And then also, if you haven't left a review yet and you're enjoying the podcast, please do so by searching We Met at Acme in the podcast app and scrolling to the bottom and hopefully reviewing positively and giving five stars if you are called to do so. Okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about is engagement. I had an episode coming out with someone that we will no longer be airing, but we had kind of talked about, and maybe I'll ask her if I can just post this one clip because it, it is very meaningful and I feel like people need to hear it. People get engaged and they think that like it is fireworks and you were so happy. It's like weirdly a stressful thing and not for everyone, right? Like some people are so excited and that's all that it is. And and I was really excited, but I also was like, I wouldn't say fight or flight, but like, I, I remember like not being able to eat my dinner the night I got engaged. And I don't know if it was because I was so excited or because I was so overwhelmed, but it's like, especially from a women's perspective, it's this thing that we kind of look forward to our whole lives. And it's like a really amazing experience, right? Getting engaged. It's, it's so cool. It's like, you know, our whole lives as women, we're told the day you get engaged or like, you know, we watch these Disney movies and they get down on one knee and propose. And then once it actually happens, it's like, oh my God, like this is real. And it just goes back to like when 
women date in general, right? When we date, when we go out on dates, and we've talked about this on the podcast many times, Aaron Foster talked about it in our episode with the Foster sisters, but it's like we, or Sarah talked about it maybe, but it's like, we are like, oh my God, we want them to like us. We want them to like us. Like, do we even like them? And of course, you know, hopefully if you're getting engaged to someone, you like them, but it's like, we just want them to propose to us. Do we even want to be engaged to them? You know, it's like the same thing. And luckily I did want to be engaged to my husband, but I think a lot of women go through this where they're like, just so focused on getting the guy to propose. And then the guy proposes and they're like, oh my God, like, what am I even supposed to be feeling right now? So I just think that that's really interesting. I feel like it's not talked about enough and it's normal to feel a little weird after getting engaged. Not like, you know, red flag, I I made the wrong decision weird, but just like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to be feeling or I've been told my whole life I'm supposed to feel a certain way and I feel a different way. And that's okay, you know, and I just wanted to like bring that up. The second thing I want to talk about is going through a significant other's phone. It's interesting because I feel like men do this to women way more than women do it to men. But you don't hear about it as much for whatever reason. Maybe women are just deeper sleepers, but it's a very not okay thing all around yet everyone mostly can say that they've done it at one point in their life. I will say I've gone through two guys that I've dated phones and both times it was because I didn't trust them or like something happened that, you know, popped up that was sketchy earlier in the night. But I feel like if you have to go through someone's phone, unless you have just like serious relationship, OCD relationship, anxiety, and you're only going through their phone because of a past traumatic cheating experience, right? If you're going through their phone because you have a reason to, then that's reason enough that you need to break up with this person. And I can't stress this enough. And for some reason, I feel like I'm almost like talking to women when I say that, because I know a few men who are just like the jealous kind of crazy type. And yes, I know I'm kind of talking about a double standard, but like, I feel like there are men out there who will go through a woman's phone and there's no reason to. And like, I'm not saying that they should break up with that woman more like that. That woman should break up with that man in that case. But anyway, the gist is there, which is that if you feel the need to go through someone's phone, you shouldn't be together period. Like no matter whose fault it is, it's, it's not good for you. Right. And it's just, it's just not, but, but if you're going to go through someone's phone and you've never done it before, I will give you one tip, (laughs) which is that you just like go to their messages and either search your name or everything is always in like their conversation with their best friend. So if they're deleting, first of all, if they're deleting conversations, period, then like end it. But if they're deleting conversations, that's how you can usually still find stuff out. However, I am not encouraging it. I'm just saying if you're going to do it, do it smart. But no, I think absolutely not. Like it is a really fucked up thing. 
it means your relationship is not worth fighting for because trust is the most important thing in a relationship. And if you can't trust them enough to not go through their phone or at least say, I was like a little uncomfortable seeing this comp, like, you know, seeing Cindy's name pop up. Like, who is she? You know, if you can't ask that kind of question, then again, this is not the person for you because you should be able to ask the tough questions. You shouldn't be afraid to confront them about all of the things. Communication is paramount in relationships. And if you are either too afraid to ask them a question or too sure that they're doing something shady, then you need to end it. Like you need to be, you need to be broken up. And so I just wanted to say that about going through phones. Okay. And lastly, cause this is another topic that I really like that someone suggested. They said things you want to change about your significant other and when to know if you're going overboard. I think that you can like, for example, sometimes I like for Steven to like advocate for himself more, you know? And I'm like, you need to like say, no, that wasn't okay with me. Or actually I really do want that instead of like going with something that you don't want. And I think that that's like an okay change. If it's a change that's positive, that's going to help them. And it's not like a, what's the word? Like, you know, telling like a character, telling them they have a character defect, but instead it's like, you know, you deserve to be somebody that like gets what you want, you know, something like that. But if you are like, trying to make them romantic when they're just not a romantic person. Or if you are trying to get them to like have sex as often as you like to have sex and that's just not what they want. Or if you want them to be ambitious, like that's not something that you can change about them, you know? And, or even like, Oh, I have a perfect example. I've dated people in the past who, and Steven's actually kind of like this too, who like spend hours rereading emails before they send them. And that's just not my vibe. Like I write an email, I read it over once and I send it. Like I am an action oriented, like, let's go. I wrote it. I'm sending it done. And I have dated and am married to people who, or a person who, you know, takes their time thoughtfully. Like that's not something that you change about them. That is something that, that they are who they are. That's what they do. Right. But like telling them, Oh my God, there's like a, a fight in the cars outside, but telling them like, you know, it's okay. Like it's okay to say, you don't like this, like to my dad or something, you know, or like, you know, I really love it when you get me flowers, like encouraging them to be better, like wanting them to win. That's, that's okay to change. But I'm actually curious what people have changed successfully about their significant others. So I'm going to ask that as an open-ended question and we're going to talk about that. Anyway, I hope you really enjoy this episode with Vanessa and Xander and I can't wait to hear your feedback. There is nothing sexier than a suit that custom fits you. And if you're someone who is just frustrated with not having anything cute to wear into the office or just like wanting to have more of a professional look, I feel like 
you know, I'm 32, but I still feel like I don't know what to wear to like a corporate thing, you know? And Indochino is the best place to go. They believe that you shouldn't fit your clothes. They should fit you, your body, your personality, and your style. Because finding the perfect fit is more than just your measurements. It's how you show the world who you are. You can design every detail to be totally you with Indochino's new women's wear line. My favorite from the line is the Hartley cotton stretch blue pants. I just feel like they are light and like they aren't crazy. They aren't going to make you feel hot. But also like the AC in offices, keep in mind, is really cold. So you need pants, you know, you can't like wear shorts to an office. It's just, it's not a thing. So I'm telling you, you really need to get involved with Indochino. You can design any suit made to your exact measurements and create the suit that fits you. They also have blazers and skirts and more. And they're, again, designed for you. So find your perfect fit and stand out in style with a custom suit from Indochino. For 10% off, you can use promo code ACME when you go to visit Indochino.com to book a showroom appointment or place an order. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code ACME. If you've ever been jet lagged before and haven't used Element, you have been living under a rock. I'm telling you right now. We came back from Lisbon two weeks ago and I was so sleepy, like beyond. And I had a really big day that I needed to be awake for. And I literally just took my favorite raspberry flavor of Element and I took one packet, I put it into my water, I shook it up and it tastes so good. But not only does it taste good, it replenished my electrolytes. If you don't know what electrolytes even are, because to be honest, I didn't really get it before starting to drink Element either. But it's like if you are tired, if you're hungover, if you've had a big workout, or if you just like want to keep an active lifestyle, you lose electrolytes and you need to replenish them. Element is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything that you need and nothing that you don't. It is science backed. And the ratio is 1000 milligrams of sodium, 200 milligrams of potassium and 60 milligrams of magnesium. It's all the stuff you need and no junk, nothing that you don't need, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no BS. It's really amazing. And it's suited to every single diet. Again, it saved me from my jet lag two weeks ago. Like I cannot recommend this enough. And I love all their flavors. Right now, Element is offering my listeners a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single serving packets free with any Element order. This is a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. Get yours at drinkelement.com slash Acme. This deal is only available through my link. So you must go to drinklmnt.com slash Acme. Element offers no question asked refunds. You can try it totally risk-free. And if you don't like it, share it with a salty friend and they will give you your money back. No questions asked. You've got nothing to lose. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be here with Vanessa and Xander Marin. Hi guys. Hi, thanks for having us. We're very excited to be here too. So tell me everything. We'll start with, oh, actually, sorry. I actually would love to start with what your favorite romantic gestures are. 
Oh, that's a good Ooh. question. I'm a big fan of compliments. For me, it's just mm. like Xander can make my day with the smallest little compliment. And even if they don't seem like a romantic compliment, like it still has such a big impact on me. Yeah, it can be a worker-related comment. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, I'm I'm a big physical touch person. So a hug that comes out of nowhere. This favorite just, thing. I love that. <laughs> I feel like that's just a universal thing. Like, I feel like guys love hugs and just like back scratches and just it's like they're like dogs basically in that way. <laughs> like they just they just love being touched. It's it's a, amazing and adorable. So, guys, tell me a little bit of background. Tell our listeners how old are you and where are you from? I am 39 and from Santa Barbara, California, which we just moved back to last year. Yeah, and I'm 37, live here with Vanessa, married to Vanessa. We, we've been married for 11 years. Together for 15. And we have a business together where we help couples keep the spark alive and make it burn brighter than ever before in their long-term relationships. I love that. And how did you two meet? What's your story? We met in San Francisco, 2007, a Christmas party at the place that Xander lived in with like five other dudes. It was a, it was pretty gross. It was very gross. There was brown shag carpeting. <laughs> and my friend was dating his friend. And so she really wanted me to come to the party and be her wing woman. I really did not want to go to the party, but she convinced me because the house was four blocks from my house. I thought, okay, I'll just go with her, make sure she sees her guy that she's dating, and then I'm going to piece out of there. But once I got there, she decided to tell me, hey, do you see that guy who's DJing the party? He thinks you're really cute. And Xander's friend told him, hey, do you see that girl that walked in? She thinks you're really cute. Neither of us had said anything. And the two friends who were dating did not coordinate with each other. So it was just some weird sign from the universe. <laughs> so we both like thought we, it was- Yeah, we both felt really confident. Yeah, it was like, oh yeah, he thinks I'm cute. Okay, cool. So we were both flattered. And I snuck behind the DJ booth. I impressed him because I knew all of the- early OO's like blog house songs that he was spinning. <laughs> and we just started talking yeah. and seriously, the rest was history from there. We were pretty inseparable like from yeah. that night. Yeah, we went on our first date 48 hours later <laughs> and our second date 48 hours after that. And it was pretty much game over. That's really cute. I love that. And I have to ask because I love astrology on the podcast. What are your signs? I'm an Aquarius. And I'm a Cancer. Which apparently is Ooh. like not a good matching, but well, we've had you know our, what it's yeah we had our Vedic charts read once, and that astrologer said that we were the most compatible, like one of the most compatible couples she'd ever seen. But usually, when we tell people just our straight up signs, they're like, "Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> what's a, what's a Vedic chart? It's a form of astrology where they look at okay. like it's even more in depth and detailed. So she looked at our you know birth times and places down to the minute and like mapped a whole bunch of stuff out. So it was, it was interesting just to to see that. But yeah, normally when we tell people just our regular signs, they're like, "Hmm, sorry." <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that because my husband and I, who is also a cancer, um, are also not typically compatible, but it's the rest of our charts that are. So, you know, I also, I have a whole episode on why you should date a sign that you're not typically compatible with. Cause I actually think that you might be oh. more compatible than you think. So obviously it worked for you guys. You've been together for <laughs> as long as you have. So 
it, it's obviously working. Vanessa, I want to hear a little bit about how you got into becoming a sex therapist and just what that path was like. So we wrote a book together called Sex Talks. And the reason that I am in this entire field is because of my parents' attempt at the sex talk with me. It was very awkward and uncomfortable, as is the case for the vast majority of people. And I just remember in that moment feeling so confused by it. Like, why were my parents so embarrassed? It was very clear that they didn't really want to talk about sex. The whole conversation was basically just them saying, if you have any questions about sex, you can ask us. And so that moment really stuck with me of like, why is this so hard to talk about? And as I got older, I just kind of kept coming back to that moment and thinking, why is it so hard for us to talk about sex? You know what? I think I want to make a whole career out of this and help people get more comfortable talking about sex. So then it was this question of how do I get the training necessary to do it? So I decided to go to grad school, become a therapist, have that whole you know foundation in therapy and communication, and then very quickly realized that building online courses and guides was a great fit for sex therapy. When I was originally working with people one-on-one in the traditional therapy format, I just realized, like, I think I can work with a lot more people and to make a bigger impact and share all this information that I have. So I started building out online guides and courses, stuff like foreplay guides, next level intercourse, doing challenges. And Xander came along to join the business originally as the like operations manager, running things behind the scenes for me. Yeah, I never thought I was going to be in the sex therapy field. I, I had a whole other career in the past. I was in the consulting world. I was in the tech world. And I was just a little you know, burnt out on the corporate thing. And I was taking some time off to figure out, you know, what I kind of wanted to be when I grew up and Vanessa's business was starting to blow up. And I was like, I could help with a couple things here or there. And I kind of, you know, worked myself into the operations manager or COO role, so to speak. And then Vanessa would be bugging me like, hey, why don't you come behind the camera with me or in front of the camera with me? Like, <laughs> why don't you do an Instagram story with me here or there? And I was like, no one wants to hear from me. I have no training. I've just watched you go through grad school, get all of your hours to get licensed, build a one-on-one practice, build an online business. I'm like, what do I have to offer? And Vanessa was like, well, it's exactly like the the lack of the training that is really <laughs> interesting. Like people want to hear from you as a partner, as a man as you know as a husband like what is it like to do some of this stuff that we're encouraging others to do in our own relationship and so i eased my way in and vanessa gave me a lot of positive feedback shared with me a lot of dms from people who are really appreciative of just hearing like an everyday person's perspective here i am yeah so we really like to you know share about our own relationship and i think take that step of being vulnerable first and really normalize it for people. Like we've been together for 15 years. We've had lots of ups and downs in our own sex life. We've had sex that feels kind of boring and predictable. We've struggled to talk about it. We've had like all sorts of challenges. And so just being able to share like as a real couple, hey, it's normal for your sex life to go up and down. And here's what has worked for us. I think people really resonate with that. Definitely. And what is your like go-to response when somebody asks you, like, how do we bring back the spark? How do we keep this, like, keep it fun? Like, you know, there are so many couples in my orbit 
my husband and I have only been together for like, you know, three and a half years, but there are so many couples that have been together way longer. And even at three and a half years, like you can get into the same kind of sexual routine. Like it's before bed first, I'm on top, then he's on top, then it's (laughs) over. You know, it's like, what can you do to make that more fun? We truly believe that the best first step is to start talking about sex. I think we all have this expectation that sex is just supposed to work. It's just supposed to happen naturally, and we don't really want to talk about it. But we have discovered in our own relationship and now after working with thousands and thousands of people that when you start talking about sex, it brings back that excitement, that energy that you used to have in the beginning of the relationship. And it makes it so much easier to start trying new things, to get a little bit more experimental and creative in the bedroom. But it it really does boil down all to that communication. And so that's why we wrote Sex Talks to give couples these five specific conversations that we think are really the key to creating that intimacy that we are all so deeply craving. Yeah, because it's it's the talking about it that opens the door for all the other things. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think, oh, okay, things are getting stale. Like we have to try something new or we have to learn something new or we have to do things different. And if you don't have that basis for communication, it's really difficult to introduce something new without feelings getting hurt without it feeling Mm -hmm. super awkward or just feeling downright impossible. And so I think a lot of us like know what we need to do kind of long term, but then we stop ourselves from doing it because we don't have that basis for communication. So we always start with communication as like, hey, just like some simple, simple things in terms of talking about it can actually bring back so much more of that spark than sort of jumping into the deep end of like, oh, like, Let's do like BDSM or incorporate some kink or something like that. Yeah. I'm curious what you guys think about this. So as a hetero couple, like most, let's say, you know, a listener is listening now and she's a woman dating a man and she feels like I don't want to be the one to initiate sex more than my male partner. Like I want my male partner to be the one initiating sex most of the time, if not all of the time. And why is that? Maybe that's because like a male partner has to like perform more than a woman does. Meaning like he has to like be ready to, you know, like, you know what I'm trying to say. Whereas like woman can just like have sex for the most part, like most women, or I don't know what the statistics are, but they don't have to like, you know, get hard and stay hard, let's say. Right. So some women might think that because of that, like men have to initiate sex more and it shouldn't be this thing where like a woman's like, let's have sex, let's have sex, because then it like puts pressure on the man to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And we're taught to believe that's how it works, too. Like, we have all these stereotypes about, you know, oh, men, they always want sex. I'll take it whenever, wherever. So the reality, though, is we polled our community about this, and we found that in 45% of male-female relationships, it's actually the woman who wants sex more than the man. 
So that's a huge difference from what most people think. But when it comes to initiating in particular, like I get the desire to want your partner to be initiating all the time. Like it feels like that's how it's supposed to work. And, you know, you want to feel like desirable and attractive in that way as a woman. But the reality is that initiating is really vulnerable. And unless you're both like very happily on board with this, having an arrangement where just one partner is doing the initiating is going to feel really hard and really unfair to your partner. I mean, I think we we take men for granted a little bit. We think like, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's comfortable initiating. But so many men tell us like, I feel terrified to initiate. Like it's so vulnerable. I hate being turned down. It's like a you know knife to the stomach every time I get turned down. So I think it's important to recognize like, it is so vulnerable. And so it's important for there to be a bit of a balance. And also like guys want to feel desired too. Like they want to feel wanted too. Yeah. I mean, it can also feel, it can also feel really lonely if, if the, if the dynamic is like, okay, well, like I, I need to initiate because I'm the, I'm the one that needs to be able to get hard and to be able to perform. And like, you know, if I, it, it, it sets up this dynamic of if I can't, then we can't have sex. We can't be Mm -hmm. intimate, even though in reality, there are actually all kinds of options on the table that don't require a hard penis. Um, And actually, you're way more, a guy's way more likely to make a woman come with his hands or mouth than he is with his penis. Yeah. Let's be real. (laughs) Yeah, but- And, but I think, I think the thing is, I mean, I've, I've struggled with this personally where I felt, oh, I am, I am carrying the weight of sex in our relationship because it all relies on me. It all depends on me and my ability to perform. And there's something really lonely in that, in feeling like it it's all on you. And for me, for us, what really, I think, changed things was when I started to realize that that, that could be, it could be a joint responsibility. That it's not like, it's not like I just get to say, okay, I can guarantee you that I can get hard right now and we can do this, but rather it's like, Hey, here's how I would like to be feeling with you. Are you open to doing this with me? And you know, we both help each other get there. And also if you're a woman listening, who's like, "Mm, but I just like, don't want to have to initiate. (laughs) Like it actually feels very empowering and it's a huge confidence builder when you learn how to initiate. So there is a reward at the end of this. Yeah, I agree that it is empowering, but what if you initiate and you get rejected like as a woman? I feel like that hurts more than if you get rejected as a man because men are like conditioned to be more okay with rejection just in general because like they're more of the ones that initiate things in life more, right? Like like ask girls out on dates more than we ask men on dates and things like that. So it's like when you get rejected as a woman, I feel like that is like more painful. But maybe that's just me because saying that because I'm a woman. I think that is a misconception that we have about men. I mean, I, I guess I can let you speak to this a little bit more. But the you know, in the conversations that we have with men and women, everybody hates getting rejected. And mm. and there are no patterns that we see about like men take it easier. In fact, I would think actually, I would say that men tend to take it harder because they are dealing with it more often. But what we say about rejection is it's important to normalize like rejection is always going to be a part of your sex life. Like it's impossible to not have it there. You're two different people. You're not always going to be open to having sex in the exact same moments and the exact same kind of sex. Like for the rest of your lives. 
So in a way, rejection is kind of part of the price of admission that we have to pay to have Mm. an amazing sex life. I mean, and I think we've all been, you know, we've all been conditioned in certain ways when it comes to sex and when it comes to relationships. And just because we've been conditioned that way doesn't mean it's the way that we should continue to operate. You know, I think there's a lot of kind of toxic conditioning of, you know, of men when it comes to sex in terms of like how we're supposed to perform or, you know, how how we're supposed to do it. And, you know, I think we, we try to break down a lot of those things because they don't end up actually, you know, supporting a healthy relationship in the long term. And I think because men feel like they're supposed to be tough and not supposed to be emotional, like that actually makes the sting of rejection hurt so much more. Or it can come out in more negative ways because like, because like as a man, you know, we're also conditioned to, yeah, to suck it up, to not be emotional. And, you know, the reality is men and women are perfectly capable of feeling the same amount and same types of emotions. It's just that men are, we are conditioned to, to repress them. And so when we repress emotions, like they will come out in other ways, like they will manifest themselves somewhere. So as a guy, I, you, you might think, oh yeah, well, it seems like he's dealing with this just fine. But the reality is that then like, I am letting it out in like aggression or in anger or or resenting in the moment. If you're, yeah, if your partner says no. So, I mean, but also one thing that I want to make sure we say is that it's very possible to lessen that sting of rejection by learning how to turn each other down gently. So that's that's a big part of what we teach. And that's in part of sex talks, too, that if you know how to turn each other down, it can actually create more closeness rather than make it feel like this horrible rejection. If you guys know me, you know I have thin hair and I'm always looking for new things to try to make sure it gets a little thicker. Like that's all I want is to have hair that I love and that I'm not embarrassed of when I put in a ponytail. And I cannot tell you how excited I was to be partnering with pros. If you haven't heard of pros, they make custom hair care that's effective because the formulas are actually made to order for your unique needs. They use natural, sustainably sourced ingredients with proven results. Pros customizes every product in your routine from shampoo to supplements. First, they start by asking your hair goals. For me, it's like increasing volume and just thickness of my hair. And then their in-depth consultation asks you about you as a person. Things that I didn't really expect them to ask me, like my exercise level and my eating habits. And I didn't really think about how all of that had affected my hair. And then they analyzed my answers and they handpicked clean and sustainably sourced ingredients to help me reach my hair goals, which is amazing. I love their shampoo and conditioner. I have their hair mask and you too can try it. You can have custom made to order hair care with pros and it's the key to achieving all your hair goals this year. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off of your first order today. You trust me, you're going to want some, some nice hair in time for summer, you know, go to pros.com slash Acme. That's P R O S E.com slash Acme for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off. If you haven't been on social media lately, everyone, everyone, and maybe it's just what I'm being served up, but everyone's talking about gut health. There's over 3.8 million posts tagged with the hashtag gut health. There's 
over 653 million videos on TikTok. So obviously it's important for some reason, right? And people are trying to figure out what exactly we can do to have a better gut health. Discoveries in microbiome research are transforming medicine, hygiene, diet, and the choices we make every day for our health. With this new frontier, however, comes an overload of information that can feel really confusing and overwhelming. Well, you really only need to do one thing, and that's something like seed a habit that you can do every day. Seed is a microbial sciences pioneering applications of bacteria to impact human and environmental health. They develop a scientifically validated, clinically studied next generation probiotics for people and for the planet. Their first product for humans, the DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic, is the only probiotic that I trust and take right now. If you've taken probiotics before and you haven't felt a difference, it's likely because the capsule isn't designed to survive your stomach acid. Seed is different. And they're really the only company that I trust. And there's no coincidence that you hear about them all the time when people are talking about their gut health. So cut through the gut health noise and visit seed.com slash Acme and use code Acme to redeem 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 daily symbiotic. That's seed.com slash Acme and use code Acme. So like, what's a good, give me an example of turning someone down gently. Like, for example, just to like be vulnerable last night, I got back from a bachelorette and I was so tired. Like I had never been more tired than I was last night. And my husband really wanted to have sex. And like, I would have loved to any other moment except for that. Like if he had asked me two hours before, you know, and I kind of, my response was kind of like, I wish you asked me an hour ago. Like I'm actually about to fall asleep. Like I'm, I'm already there. Like, you know, when you're about to like hit that (laughs) crossover to sleep and like, I didn't really know what to say except like, yeah, I wish you would an hour ago. I'm sorry. Like, and like, bam, I was asleep. So like, what is, was that an okay way to handle it? Like what would have been a better way? So what we like to talk about doing is to give your partner a specific reason why you're turning down sex. And we also want to be clear, like when you say no, you're turning down sex in that moment for a certain reason, you're not turning down your partner. So just making sure you're like clear about that. So I think one little tweak that you could have made to make it feel even better is give, so you gave him the reason, like I'm actually, you didn't. So you could have said, share the reason, like I'm super tired right now. And then share with him how being tired would get in the way of how you actually want to show up during sex. So if you just say like, I'm tired, like I have a headache, That just sounds like an excuse and it kind of leaves your partner just feeling a little bit disconnected from you. But if I were to say something like, you know, I'm so I'm I'm really sorry, I'm so tired right now. And it's really important to me when you and I are having sex that I show up feeling like playful and sexy and, you know, being really present with you and connected with you, whatever it is for you. Everybody's answer is going to be different. But like, you know, I want to be able to show up in this way with you. And me being so tired, it's preventing me from being able to do that. 
So you're making it clear to your partner that like connecting with them in this really special way is important to you. And it's this thing that's getting in the way of that. So it's like just adding an extra sentence to it, I think could be really beneficial. And, And the other thing that we like to suggest, like if it is possible in the moment is suggesting another type of activity to feel emotionally close or, or, or intimate or close. yeah, physically close or emotionally close. So in your case last night, it could have been like, you know, like I'm so tired, like, but like, would you be open to, you know, us cuddling and me falling asleep in your arms or something like that? So it's like, you're, you're offering some other type of emotional closeness or some intimacy. Cause the reality is, you know, when, when any of us initiate sex, like yeah, obviously we want sex because that's what we are initiating, but we're also wanting other types of we connection. Closeness. We want closeness. There, there are all kinds of other emotions that we are looking to, to fulfill. And so, you know, I think often it's easy to be like, no, like we don't, I don't want sex. And that kind of ends that. And you're not going to, you're not going to end up getting to experience any of those other emotions. But if you're able to kind of pivot or suggest something else, it's like, well, at least, you know, maybe we can experience some other kind of closeness together. Yeah. I like that a lot. I love the idea of a reason because sometimes like when it's reversed, like my husband will just be like later, like, let's do it later. And like, I'm like, that's not a reason either. You know what I mean? Like that's just saying later. And then what if we don't do it later? Then like, I never really got a reason, you know? Yeah. So even, even if he was to say something like, you know, I want to like build up the anticipation and excitement and like, maybe we can like send some dirty texts back to each other back and forth. Like even something like that just makes it feel like it's not a door slamming in your face of like, no. So giving a reason can be really helpful and suggesting like, yeah, some other ways of connecting that can be great. Yeah. In your book, you talk about the eight golden rules for talking to your partner about relationship struggles. Can you share some of those rules with us? One of the ones that's been getting the best feedback so far has been one that's called don't ask questions that aren't questions. Aren't Um, really questions. Yeah, aren't really questions. This is like a sneaky little way that we're all sabotaging our communication. So I'll give you an example of this. When Xander was working in the corporate world, he was going through a phase where he was working really late, like almost every night. And so I would ask him like, hey, are you going to be home soon? And he would respond like, oh no, probably going to be a couple more hours. And we went through this a few times and I was like getting really upset. And I eventually realized I was like, I'm, you know, I'm missing him. I'm wanting to connect with him. I feel like I haven't seen him in weeks. Like I'm feeling really disconnected, but I'm asking this as a logistical question. When are you coming home? Are you going to come home soon? And he's giving me a logistical answer in a few hours. No, I'm not going to be home soon. And I was getting upset because what I was really wanting was like to express those emotions. And I was wanting him to see my emotions as well. So I started saying, just saying to him, instead of asking this question that like, it's not really a question. What's beneath it is this desire for closeness. I just said to him like, hey, I'm really missing you. I feel like we haven't had any quality time together and I would love for us to have some time like sometime this week. And so then when I phrased it like that, like he could respond in a totally different way. He was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling disconnected from you too. Let me see if I can shuffle some things around and come home earlier tonight. So I think that is just such a great example of asking yourself like, 
am I really asking a question here or is there an underlying need or desire that would be better for me to express instead? Yeah. And another another one, another favorite of ours is to, I, I was about to say, to never use the words, but I'll say to try not <laughs> to use the words never and always, because never and always in any kind of conversation, especially if it's some kind of conflict or you're trying to discuss something important, they immediately derail your conversation and put your partner on the defensive. Because what you hear, if you hear, hey, like you never take out the trash. I immediately go into lawyer mode and I go, oh, you said I never take out the trash. All I need to do is think of the one time I did <laughs> in order to be right. And so instead of it being about like, hey, you know, like, let's, you know, balance the load around the house or something. I'm just like, you know, oh, no, I took the trash out last week. You're wrong. I Boom, win. I win. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, if you just take those two words, that, it's a simple thing, but just take those two words out of your vocabulary and you'll be way less likely to get into arguments and get defensive with each other. Yeah, I couldn't agree more about the never and always. We were actually watching a reality show yesterday and these two people who are in a couple were fighting and she was like, you are always so mean. You always do this. And I was like, oh my God, that's horrible. And it's almost like you need to see it to be like, oh, yeah. I'm never, now I'm saying never, of course, but like, <laughs> I don't want to do that yeah. with my partner. That's, that's not good. What about, and this is another thing in the book, how to tell your partner that what they're doing is turning you off without causing a fight. Because to me, that's like, number one, you are <laughs> coming for me. If you're saying like, that was a turn off what you just did. So how do you change that to just be like, actually, I'm just talking about what turns me off and turns me on. This is a prime example of why it's so important to get comfortable talking about sex because most of us don't have that foundation. So if our partner starts doing something, either we like ignore it until it finally bubbles up or we just like go in hot and heavy and say like, don't do that. I don't like that. Stop that. And of course, if you're hearing that, that is going to hurt your feelings. It's going to make you defensive and it's not going to make you feel inspired to find something that your partner does like. So instead, our recommendation is to make positive requests of your partner or share positive feedback with them. So for just about any sort of negative feedback that you might have from your partner, there is a way to turn it around and phrase it positively as a request instead. And research has even shown that humans respond so much better to positive reinforcement than to negative reinforcement. So a classic example that comes up for women is they'll tell us like, oh, he's always going so fast. It's like we start kissing and like 30 seconds later, he's like wanting to put it in me. And so again, if you just say like, stop going so fast, like that's gonna hurt your partner's feelings. But if you can say something to them like, you know what turns me on so much? It's so hot when you go so slow and you're like teasing me and I'm just like aching for that next mm. step. Like, see, like he already, he knew exactly what I was going to say, but it's like, <laughs> he can't help it. Like, ooh, it sounds sexy, 
And it's like, I'm giving him a win, you know? So he's like, oh, I know what to do. She's complimenting me that I already do it well. And I know if I do this thing again, I'm going to win. I'm going to make her like happy and excited. So it's so much more motivating to phrase it like that. And at the same time, you are setting the foundation that sex is a safe and fun and positive topic to talk about. Because at the end of the day, eventually, yeah, you are going to have, you know, maybe a more serious request or something like that, you're going to have a more serious conversation about sex. The problem is most of us don't have those serious conversations about sex until something is really bad and we've never talked about it before. And so we, you know, come in hot with that conversation. And all that does is reinforce the fact that sex is not a safe topic. So instead, if, you know, you can start with a lot of these positive kind of laying the the, the groundwork type of conversations, that's going to set you up so much more for success in the future. I love that. And I am like feeling validated right now because I'll often tell people and like not in terms of sex advice, but they'll be like, you know, how do I get my boyfriend to buy me flowers? I'll be like, you know, tell him how much you love flowers instead of being like, you never get me flowers. Like, why don't you get me flowers? You know, it makes me it pisses exactly. me off. That you don't get me. Like, just be like, you know what I love? When someone sends me flowers out of the blue, like it makes me feel so loved and so special. Like then, of course, they're going to want to send you flowers, you know? I think so many of us, especially women, we have this fantasy in our heads of having a partner who can read our minds. And there's this belief that we have of like, oh, if I had to ask for it, it doesn't really count. But that's just not fair. Like we can't read each other's minds. And even things that you think would be so clear and obvious to your partner are just not because they're a different person. And so when we phrase things like that, like especially as complaints, like the flower example is such a perfect one. If you're like, you never buy me flowers. So he's Xander's like double whammy. Yeah, he said never. Yeah, I know. Never. (laughs) It's like he feels bad because he hasn't done it. And he feels like he's like already lost. So even if he goes and buys me flowers that afternoon, it's not even a positive thing. It's like, I'm just like trying to dig myself out of the hole, basically. But it's like there's no way to turn that around into a win. Yeah. Or I feel like I have to make a really grand gesture like, okay, well, I'll buy you flowers like and I'm going to take you out of town next weekend. And it's like that's like not what this whole thing is all about. Even then you still feel like you've lost already. It's like, oh, I'm I'm already done a bad job. And that doesn't make you feel motivated to like keep doing it. No. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Nobody really wants to like try to make someone happy when they're already feeling like they're in the doghouse and they're in trouble. The last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about, which I think, I mean, I want to know all the answers to this question, but the five conversations that every couple needs to have that increase intimacy and connection. What is like the number one conversation? And we'll leave the others for people who are going to go and get the book and read it. Well, we're we're happy to share all five of them, but we put them in this specific order. Like it was really important to us with this topic that's so huge. It's like we all know that we should be talking about sex, but we don't know what to say and how to say it. So we wanted to boil it down into like the five crucial conversations that we really believe are going to transform every couple's sex life. And we put them in a specific order because we wanted this to feel manageable. Like Mm -hmm. we knew people, some people are going to be feeling nervous and anxious 
picking up this book. So we wanted it to be to feel easy. So the first one, in a way, is the most important because we want you to start with that one. And that's what we call acknowledgement, aka sex is a thing and we have it. Literally just getting comfortable with sex as a topic of conversation because so few people have either never talked about sex or only talked about it in a negative way. Like, why aren't we having sex? Why do you never initiate? Why don't you seem to want me? So the acknowledgement conversation is all about setting that positive foundation and getting comfortable with it. So one super practical thing that people can do after listening to this podcast is take a minute to think about one of your favorite sexual memories with your partner and then share it with them later. So you can do it face-to-face. If you're shy or nervous, you can do it over text, but all you're doing is just sharing the memory. So like you can say something like, you know, what just popped into my head randomly today, that trip that we went on and that hotel that we were staying at and what we did all night, like just wanted to share that with you. It was just a fun thing to pop into my mind. So just by doing that, you're starting to lay this foundation. It's going to feel like fun and flirty. I mean, who doesn't want to think back to one of their favorite experiences together? And it's going to make your partner excited to talk more. I love that. It makes me think of Legally Blonde when she goes up to him and she's like, remember those five hours in the hot tub? Yes, exactly. Okay. What's another conversation? Because that's really helpful, I think, especially for couples who have been together 10 plus years. Yeah. So the second conversation is connection. What do we need to feel close to each other? And I think some people might be surprised to see a conversation all about emotional intimacy in this book about sex. But we make the point that emotional intimacy and physical intimacy are really entwined with each other. Like you can't have one without the other. And so many couples in long-term relationships feel disconnected from each other. We feel like ships passing in the night, or we have that experience, like you get into bed at the end of the night and your partner's crawling in next to you and you're like, oh, who are you? (laughs) So this one's all about like practical ways for the two of you to feel closer to each other, to feel connected on a daily basis. And then that leads into desire. What do we each need to feel excited about having sex? To the get third turned on. Yeah, that's the third conversation. To get turned on, to get in the mood, understanding how our sex drive works, how our partners works, and just getting each other all fired up to be intimate. That one goes into conversation four, pleasure. What do we each need to feel good, to have a satisfying and enjoyable Mm -hmm. experience? We do talk a lot in that chapter about the orgasm gap between men and women, that men are having way more orgasms than women are, and the connection that a lot of people don't make between desire and enjoyment. Like if we're not enjoying sex, it doesn't make any sense to crave it. So if you're somebody who feels like you have a low sex drive, you might actually have an issue with low enjoyment of sex. And if you were able to have more pleasurable sex, you would crave it more. So that's a super important conversation. And then we wrap things up with exploration. What do we want to try next? So we kind of started talking about this a little bit, but research has shown that trying new things in the bedroom is the best way to keep the spark alive, like in and outside of the bedroom. It just, it lights our brains up. It helps us see our partner in a new light. But a lot of us struggle with how to do that in the bedroom. We're like, oh, I don't feel creative. I don't have any ideas. Like, what are the options? So this is all about like identifying the options, figuring out what is excited and, you know, what's exciting to both of you and actually following through on that. So I'll leave you with another like practical tip from that one. 
a lot of times people, like I was saying, like get very self-conscious about like, I just don't like, I don't have any moves. I don't know what to do. (laughs) So one thing you can think about instead are what are some of the things that you and your partner used to do during sex at the beginning of your relationship that you haven't done in a while? So it doesn't have to be something that's like brand new that you've never done. It can just be that like, oh yeah, like we used to do that thing. And like, why haven't we done that? That's so much fun. So just bring back something that you used to do. I love that. That's awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Even though we had 4,000 technical difficulties, we made it work. (laughs) Can both of you leave me with, leave our listeners with a piece of advice that has helped you throughout the years or a quote? I mean, I'm going to just keep coming back to the idea of talking about sex. I mean, one part of the reason why I wanted to write this book, Sex Talks, is because it had such a big impact on my own sex life. Like I really struggled when I started to become sexually active with so many issues with my sex life. Like I faked orgasms for so long. I faked everything for so long. I felt so alone and so broken And even at the beginning of Xander and my relationship, like, you know, we didn't talk about our sex life openly and we had challenges. And so I have experienced that firsthand, how transformative it is to start talking about it openly, Mm -hmm. especially with your partner. And that's just it really comes back to, you know, it's like that's how I got started Mm -hmm. in this whole field is that awkward conversation. And so I get so fired up to to keep helping people start talking about it and realizing what a big impact it can have. And I guess I would say, you know, for for the guys out there, like you don't have to do this alone. I think it's so easy for us, you know, the way that we're conditioned socially to feel like we're supposed to know everything. We're supposed to have it all figured out. We're supposed to lead the way. But the reality is in a long term relationship, like you have a teammate, you have a partner, like your sex life is a thing that you get to do together. It's not something that you are responsible for on your own. And so I know that it might feel uncomfortable talking about it. That feels like you got to open up about things. That's not something you're really used to doing. But just because you're not used to it doesn't mean that you can't get started in a really simple, easy, positive way. And I can tell you from experience that, yeah, it's awkward at first. It feels uncomfortable at first but it starts to feel less awkward and less uncomfortable. And it starts to feel really natural eventually. And you'll be surprised at how it feels when you can talk about it comfortably, maybe even share some of your emotions when it comes to sex, because there's a whole lot more available to you out there if you're willing to do it together with your partner. I love it. Where can everybody find you guys, follow you and read sex talks? You can find us over on Instagram. We're most active there. We're at Vanessa and Xander and it's Xander with an X. We do stories every day, like trying to really have a lot of fun, help you give, help you get great tips. And we also have on Instagram, like descriptions of all of the courses and guides that we have. We have such a good time teaching people like all the stuff about sex that you feel like you're supposed to already know. We will teach it to you in a really fun way, like very step by step, like challenges and guides and all that kind of stuff. And then you want to tell them about the book? Yeah, you can you can get sex talks over at sextalksbook.com. We've got links to all the main retailers there. And if you do that over on that site, come back after you purchase it, enter your order information, and we'll send you a free workbook to go along with the book. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. And thanks for riding the technology wave with me. I 
I'm <laughs> so excited to have had that very necessary conversation and can't wait to hear everyone's feedback. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.